That's extremely important because for for a couple of reasons. One is you as a buyer want to make sure that you're comfortable with the payment, you're comfortable with purchasing this next property or right. maybe it's your first property. And equally as important, if if a seller, is, like, like we just discussed, sellers are not going to just let anyone in their house. Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Helping Heroes Become Homeowners. I'm your podcast host, Richard Sari, with Alliance Mortgage Group, and we're the podcast uh, that's talking about the VA home loan, uh, the muck and the mist about the VA home loan, and expressing um, our our love for the product to get get the get the recognition out there that the VA loan is a great product for everybody out there. Today we have a special guest. His name is Troy Sage with Competitive Competitive Re- uh, Realty. Excuse me. Um, competitive edge realty. I apologize. Troy, how are we doing, buddy? Good, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, thank you for coming on. Um, you know, as a realtor, uh, what what area do you do you service in right now? So I do the, you know, the D, the whole DFW area, of course. But my um, my home base, per se, is North Dallas, Frisco, Prosper, Little Elm, Salina, McKinney. And how long have you been uh, uh, covering that area? I've been here a couple of years. Prior to that, I was in uh, out of state, so I've been I've been doing this over sixteen years. Okay, awesome. Um, so, what got you started in the industry? What got you into real estate? It was a long time ago, man. Uh, it was kind of on a dare. I was uh, I was doing other work, and and I quit doing that work. And you know, my dad says, "So, what are you going to do? Sell real estate?" And I thought. I was young. I was like, that's a great idea. Your friend does real estate, owns homes, has a beautiful wife, has nice cars, always seems to have money. And, and I kind of got the bug then and then learned that it was not all that glamorous. It's about, well, it is glamorous. It's just about helping people. But as, as a very young man, it was all about cool cars and houses. Right. So (laughs) Uh, did you have a mentor uh, when you came into the business or did you, you started on your own and you just learned as you went? I actually started in, in Detroit, Michigan, where I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. And uh, the way it works in Michigan is you have to have a mentor. You have to have a um, broker sponsor you. So when I first started, um, I, uh, we had some cassettes. So I, I, again, I've been doing this a long time. We had cassettes and I, it was, it was Mike, uh, Mike Ferry of all things. I found out later on where I was working with, um, uh, we were working uh, for sale by owners. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. So, you know, I've been doing lending now for 26 years and I kind of fell into it. Um, I did have a mentor. Um, she got me started, you know, back in the day when mortgages, gosh, back in 97, it was paper applications. It was running your own credit. Um, you know, we had to collect all the items ourselves. I actually, the customers had to come in. So I, I think having a mentor is, is, really important to, to start your career and, and to learn from somebody. So it's, it's important to have that mentorship for sure in any industry that you're in. So what's the number one thing that people ask you about real estate right now? Well, it depends on if they're looking to buy or if they're looking to sell, but, but overall the question is, is, you know, how's the market, right? You know, what, what's going on? Um, you know, we've been, if you've been um, paying attention to the market, 
uh, or watching stuff on YouTube. You've got some people saying it's doom and gloom, the market's going to crash. And then other people are saying, no, it's all, it's just fine. Um, I, I think what's important is that we educate, um, we educate people locally. The, the market changes from city to city. Dallas is different than Fort Worth. Frisco mm-hmm. is different than Prosper. Little Elm is different than the colony. Um, and then there's neighborhoods inside these cities and towns that are different from each other. So I, I'm a true believer in educating people and the fact that we have to micro it down to the exact area that they want to be in, whether it's a buyer or a seller. So when they're having those conversations with you, are they coming to you already being qualified or they're just kicking tires or what questions are they asked? Are they asking you about how to get pre-qualified? Should they get pre-qualified? Yeah, they absolutely should. Matter of fact, um, you know, some of the people that come to me, um, either finding me on YouTube or, or another source of marketing, um, most of the buyers come to me, they're, they're not qualified yet. They don't, they don't get the process. A lot of them are first time home buyers and it's, uh, you know, buying real estate is a different process than going to a car dealership to buy a car or a furniture store. And I'm just saying those two as high ticket items. Um, so yeah, uh, when they come to me, as a matter of fact, I, I, it's part of my business plan when I work with people to establish a game plan with them that works for their finances and what their goals are. And the number one thing is they have to get qualified. So what is your process when you have somebody who's not qualified? What, is, what direction do you give them for that? Uh, depends on what their timeline is. So someone's saying, hey, I'm just thinking about buying, but it's not going to be for a year or two. And maybe they already know their financial situation that they just don't make enough, or maybe they had some bad credit. Uh, then I work with them on uh, scheduling some time to talk about the best, the best path to take to save money um, for that, that purchase. Um, so if, if I qualify them uh, via the phone or in person, and I know that, that they are year out, I will talk with them a little bit and then I'll refer them to a lender to say, speak with, with a lender. Um, and of course, you know, they may have a lender. So I say, speak right. to your lender or I have lenders that you can talk to and get a game plan with them so that you know exactly how to spend money, where to save money. And then when you can pull the trigger. Are sellers right now taking any offers without a letter? No. Are they allowing any viewings without a letter or they're still letting people in the door to to at least look at the property or are they still no letter can't schedule the viewing? Um, it's, it's a little more lenient than it has been, uh, in the past couple of years. So I, I don't have an exact percentage, but I would probably say 90% are still requiring a letter. It's very rare that you're going to, um, have an opportunity as a buyer to go look at a home, physically walk in the home with an agent without having a pre-qualification letter. Okay. So it's, it's important to take step number one, which even from our aspect of things, we can pre-qualify just with what they tell us over the phone, but to get an actual hard pre-approval, I take all the steps, application, credit, due diligence on all the income and the assets and have something confirmed in hand that we can provide their agent. So they're, they're serious buyers, right? Especially in this market. Cause yeah, it's, that's extremely important because for, for a couple of reasons. One is you as a buyer want to make sure that you're comfortable with the payment, you're comfortable with purchasing this next property or right. maybe it's your first property. And equally as important, if, if a seller, is, like, like we just discussed, sellers are not going to just let anyone in their house. Right. So it's important to have that. What I've also found, and I think you found this as well, is that people come in and they get qualified and they go, oh my gosh, I can afford, I'm comfortable with this payment here. 
which takes them to a different bracket of housing. Right. So, so they can actually buy something nicer than what they thought. And on the flip side, sometimes we find that buyers, they have a, a Cadillac dreams and on a, like <laughs> a, you know, on a Pinto budget, but that's yeah. when we work with them to get them to the next phase. Yeah. What, what I have found is, you know, we start at a particular price point, and they look at that price point and it doesn't meet their needs. And then they're, they're coming back and seeing if we can do another 30, 40, 50 grand on the approval and making sure they're comfortable with that payment. Cause we may have to structure it a different way uh, yep. to get to that particular payment. Um, and one of the things we're doing, which is really common right now, I don't know if you've had any loans close this way, using that temporary rate buy down program. Yep. Um, that is a, a, a big helper on the affordability. Um, it is over the short term, but it at least gets them in the house with an affordable payment. You know, while rates will improve, it gives them the opportunity to refinance. Now, I, I think it's an awesome program. I've talked to a lot of buyers about it, um, not only in resale, but in new construction, right? New construction, mm -hmm. that's that's been their big push for the past six or eight months. And that's what it is. It's, it's, it's a temporary buy-down program, one of several. Um, and for sellers, that is part of the education and educating sellers that we're still getting appraised value for the property. So prices yep. are not coming down necessarily, but the seller may not net the same amount of money to, to sell that. Asset. Right. Right. I mean, it's a win-win for both sides because the yep. sellers, they, you know, even in what I'm seeing in the market right now is a lot of homes sitting on the market a lot longer than they're accustomed to. Is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah. And, and I think you have a key phrase there is what they're accustomed to. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten so used to traveling a hundred miles an hour down the freeway and the speed limit 70 that now that we've slowed down to like 80, it feels like we're not moving, but average days on market um, are still uh, really low. As a matter of fact, I looked at a report today. I think average days on market in Frisco are 49 days. It's still yeah. not long. No, but they were so used to that five, 10 days and they're done. I mean, I, I don't think yeah. that that might come back here in the next quarter or so. Um, which brings me to my next question. What do you think the market's going to do once rates improve? Well, right now, according to everything I'm reading and, and I'm sure you're reading the same stuff is that we're in what's considered a slight seller's market because yeah. of the low inventory, right? If rates come down, um, and even with low inventory and supply and demand here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, um, I don't know if your listeners know this, uh, is that we get 12.5 people moving to Dallas Fort Worth every hour. Wow. So when you add that up over a year, yeah, that's over a hundred thousand people. So, uh, the builders can't build fast enough. So, uh, to address your question directly, uh, if rates come down, I think it's going to create a more of a frenzy again not necessarily as crazy as it was last year or a year and a half ago, but I think prices are going to go up and we're going to see some bidding wars again, because you've got sellers that are, they don't have to move and they're at a comfortable rate. So they're not going to move. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what, for me, I'm buying homes right now. So yeah. that's any indication where my head is at. Um, you and I were just saying, you know, we, we've been doing this for a couple of minutes. So, during this time when there's a weird shift in the market, meaning it's just changed a little bit from what we've seen the past couple of years, this is when I dive in and I'm buying as much as I can because if rates come down a little bit, I'm going to already get it. I'm going to get appreciation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think you're going to see a downward trend in home values anytime soon. Um, what, what, well, I think what the sideline folks are going to see, you know, they're waiting for that 
that magic number maybe on interest rates. But what, what I'm, what I'm conveying to my buyers is if, if you're in a budget and that home you want to buy is in that budget, you need to go after it because once rates started, I mean, rates have been improved in the last five or six weeks. They, they just have. So I think there's going to be a continuing trend there going into the first quarter. So if you're waiting for that magic number for some reason or another, you're going to now be competing against maybe five, 10 buyers, and that's going to drive the price up. So if, if you're in that budget realm and, and you can make that work, I think you need to jump in now and take the advantage of when there's an opportunity to refinance later. I know that's a simple strategy. Um, but if, if, if you're going to, you're going to wait, it may, it may end up costing you a little bit of money. I mean, just cause well, look at what happened uh, just a couple of years ago when rates went way down, right. Over a period of time, they went right way, way down to historic lows. Like, I don't think this country has ever seen two and a half, three percent interest rates no. on mortgages. Um, when I first started, they were 12%. So when they came down below double digits, everybody went crazy and started buying homes. Then we got used to this really low interest rate. But I've always approached real estate and in the education process with my clients is, is you approach it on your affordability, not overall affordability. Like, you know, we hear on the news, oh, you know, housing affordability is crazy. No, it's what can you afford? Where are you comfortable so that you're not house broke every month and yeah. get into it? Because it, it's, I, I had a friend of mine get into to crypto, right? A long time, like when it first came out and I thought he was crazy. Well, he was buying Bitcoin like pennies on the dollar. And now he's got a big chunk of cash. So same thing in housing. If you're not in the game per se for, you never yeah. gain appreciation by renting. No. And that's, you know, I had a conversation with my son before he moved out to get his first apartment, right? His first place on his own. And you know, one of the things that, you know, I've mentioned this on earlier podcasts is that he he's, you know, he's in his head, doesn't think he's going to be able to buy a home anytime soon. And I think if you have a mindset like that, you know, he's going to rent forever. You have to put a strategy and a plan together to save some money over a period of time and try and get in when you can. If that, you know, his income over time is going to increase too. So, you know, eventually he will become a homeowner. I think that that segment needs to have that mindset. We have to save maybe a little bit longer to get into a house now, but at the end of the day, you're, it's still going to be a good investment. Better than renting. Yeah, I've I've done both. And and you've probably said this in other podcasts and I say it to clients all the time. It's like there's zero appreciation when you rent at the end of a year. Number one, you don't get the tax rate off that you do if it's a mortgage and there's interest in what you're paying. Number two, you can't do anything to the property. And at the end of your lease, does your landlord come back and say, Hey, I made 7% appreciation on the value of this property. Let me give you part of that money for paying my mortgage payment or paying every <laughs> single month, right? Absolutely. I, if I find that landlord, I'm definitely reaching out to them and then I might consider renting. Yes, that is a great way of putting that. I don't get to keep the appreciation that you paid on my behalf, Yeah. but thank you for doing that, right? I mean, you're yeah. a great paying renter. Um, <laughs> so... Being as successful agent as you are, what are some of the habits that you do day to day for realtors that are listening? What what are you put? What do you have in, in place right now? What's my days look like? Yeah, I mean, what what makes you? What habits do you do on a daily basis or a weekly basis that help you be successful? So I I get up really early in the morning, and I've done this for forever. So I get up early. I do my morning thing. And usually by about seven o'clock in the morning, maybe seven thirty at the latest, I'm on my computer. So I'm really heavy on time blocking. 
um, I have every two hours chunked out in time of everything I'm supposed to do. So by nine o'clock, the people I'm working with have heard from me. My, my clients have heard me, from me by nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, for a realtor, I do my lead follow-up via email and phone call between like 11 and, and uh, one o'clock. I take a quick break around one o'clock to have some food, hang out with my wife for 45 minutes, and I come back to, um, you know, if it's lead generation time, lead generate. If it's showing homes, I'm showing homes. If it's listing property, I'm listing property. Most of my appointments are time blocked from two o'clock in the afternoon until seven o'clock at night. So your day structured. Uh, my days are very structured. And if I have, say, appointment time from, say, three o'clock until seven o'clock on a particular day and I don't have appointments, um, I am normally on the phone or emailing, following up with leads to, to make appointments. So is that something that you were taught from your mentor or is that something that you came up with yourself? Like, oh, is I that kind of a strategy? I can't take credit for that, man, as much as I'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've had uh, several coaches. I have coaches now, you know, I've, I've, I'm a firm believer, like, uh, uh, growing up, Michael Jordan was a, a basketball hero and still is, he's just not playing anymore. But I knew that Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods and all these professional athletes that were at the top of their game had at least one, if not multiple coaches. And they were like the best in the world. I learned at a young age that even being the best, you have to have continued coaching and you have to continually, I don't like the word pivot. I like adjust. You have to adjust to the market in real estate. Right. So um, I still work with, with two different, private coaches. Um, and we mastermind and talk about things to do different. Um, it's all about growth. You know, I, if, if we stop growing, then our business will stop growing. So yeah, I've learned a lot from a lot of different coaches. So what's the number one skill that you, you had that can help your clients that you, um, that you work with when it comes to, uh, working with buyers and sellers, um, I think for me, what I've been told is, uh, I'm a good listener and I'm a good executioner. So I will execute a contract and negotiate really well for whomever, whatever side I'm working with. But I think that all comes down to listening to my clients wants and needs more than just trying to get something written and presented, whether it's a right. listing or a, or a purchase. So when you're representing sellers, what is the what's the biggest role you play in the negotiation part of it? Because you're taking offers. So yep. what, how does that translate into what you just mentioned? So when I'm working with sellers, it's, it's about breaking down each offer for my clients. So they understand the nuances and every step of the offer. So a quick example, it could be a $600,000 cash offer, but we could also get a 600 and $600,000 conventional offer or FHA or VA offer it could be the same numbers, but what are the terms and conditions at the end? Right. So in negotiating that with, uh, first of all, in presenting it to my seller, I just, I'm trying not to make it too convoluted right. in presenting that to my seller is we break down the numbers and the terms and conditions. And then from there, then we're making a very clear, concise choice. My client is, my seller on what they want to do or what path they want to take. That that's the approach that I take. I okay. break it down, not only numbers, but terms and conditions to see what's going to work best for them. So from a, 
a VA standpoint, I know before the podcast, we talked about that program a little bit. Is there any, any challenges that sellers bring to your attention asking about is the VA loan different than, am I going to make less on a VA loan versus a conventional loan or FHA loan? Yeah. And that's, that is the, the big misconceptions. The one is that, um, buyers, if, if they've not been educated on this, they think number one, they're going to pay all of, uh, or sellers think they're going to pay all the buyer's closing costs, or they're going to have all these extra expenses because it's VA and they don't want to look at the offer at first. So we have to educate them and say, look, it's, it's no different than cash conventional or FHA, unless right. the buyer's asking for it. It comes down to printing out the, um, the terms and condition. Um, some sellers think that, well, when the VA appraiser comes in, the appraiser is not going to give a fair appraisal. It's going to appraise lower than market value because yes, it's VA. We hear, we hear a lot about that. And yes. that's so not true. Um, or they think, well, when the VA appraiser comes in, I'm going to have this laundry list of things I have to do that I wouldn't have to do with FHA or a conventional loan. And that again is a misconception. That's not true. Yeah. I've heard. You know, one of the reasons why I started this podcast um, to talk more about the VA loan is there was so many, so many agents out there that just they would see the offer being VA and they would they wouldn't even we would hear nothing back, right? Because I mean, the seller doesn't have to make a counter; they could just not do anything, right? They don't have to renegotiate; they just move on to the next one. Um, but you know, when we, we talk with the real estate agents about the VA home loan and they give us some reasons why they didn't take the offer or whatever the case is. It's, it's always comes down to the appraisal that they think the appraisal value is going to be lighter if they go, uh, if they go VA versus conventional. And there's a previous podcast. I had a VA underwriter on uh, a few weeks ago. We talked about appraisals and it's the same process that a VA appraiser is going to take if they're doing a conventional loan going to be the comps, they're going to adjust and they're going to move on down the road. So it, the financing really has nothing to do with that. So that's something that we, we are trying to convey and we do that through our classes that we do, um, the webinars that we do. So we're trying to get the word out to everybody that the VA home loan, even though you're doing a VA appraisal, it's not going to change the value. I mean, you're going to, you may have that difference between the two, but it's not going to be significant. I wouldn't think. I, I haven't seen anything significant and what I explain to, to clients, buyers and sellers is an appraisal is an opinion at that point in time for that particular appraiser. Um, like you had just said, I have not seen any VA appraisals come in grossly under market value, which is what the fear is of, of the seller. Right. Right. I think in conveying that if I'm representing a buyer and I'm conveying that to the seller's agent, you know, hey, you know, FYI, you do know that a VA appraiser is an appraiser that just went through some extra training and became certified to do VA loans. It's almost Absolutely. like having an extra diploma. They went forth to take this extra training to do this. So you do understand that we're not asking for anything outrageous and the value is going to be what the market yields. It has nothing to do with, oh, it's VA, so they're going to appraise it lower. So it's, it's right in and what's cool about the VA home loan that a lot of realtors don't know is that you can rebut the value, right? You can, you're going to get a tidewater issued if it's not going to make value based on the contract price. So at least we get notified that, Hey man, something's not right. I need more comps. Can you provide those comps to me within 48 hours? Now we don't get 
notice of what the value is at that time. We just know it's not meet, meeting purchase price. Um, and then once we get that in, if we still don't like the value, we can then send it up to VA and have a SARS look at it. So there's, you know, there's two options to get to that purchase price value, but you can't really do that with FHA or conventional. I mean, you can with conventional and you can with FHA, but 99% of the time, you're not going to get a rebuttal value change. You're just not because it's going back yeah. to the original appraiser. Yeah, it's it's a it's a different uh, different system. Um, there, you you can't go very high up the that chain on FHA or conventional. You're gonna like you just said, you're gonna be rebutting with the appraiser that went out there, and appraisers don't want to have to redo an appraisal unless it's something very very unique because it there's a grading system, right? I mean, if if mm -hmm. they have if they do ten appraisals in a week. And six of them come back saying value is in there, value is in there, value is in there. They're, they can't go up anywhere else. They have to either fix it and then explain why their value was off. I mean, there, there's a lot of nuances to that. To address what you're saying directly is I've never had, in all my years of doing this, I've never had a VA appraisal come in drastically low that there, uh, that there wasn't an explanation for why it came right. low, and then at least a, a substantiated reason why the, that appraiser should make the adjustment. Yep. So, so sometimes we run into things like, here's an example, homeowner has all new electrical ran, a brand new electrical panel and all new electric in the walls and just had their foundation fixed and stuff that can't be seen behind the walls. Maybe a, a all smart home throughout the house and the appraiser didn't happen to see that. So it's important that the appraiser knows that, hey, there's $35,000 in electrical upgrades alone, and here's the receipts to show for that, and this is how it was done, and this is the electrician that, that did it. And that's helpful to that, that appraiser to go, okay, now it makes more sense. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, that, you know, we had, you know, we had one VA loan that we closed a few months ago where the house appraised for more than purchase price. Yeah. I mean, it can go either way. Right. And then you're like, well, why didn't we list it for more? Well, you know, I, I don't, I can't answer that. Um, <laughs> but there are some times that happens. Um, yeah. Not all the time, but it does happen. So you know, what are, I know, go ahead. It, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things that, that uh, I know you and I've talked about um, in, in working together is that the appraiser, the appraiser is not the bad person. No, right? they're, they're not going out to ruin a deal. They're there for a reason. They're there to make sure that the lending institution is secure in lending the amount of money for what's being paid for a property. So the asset actually has that value at that moment in time. So I, I have run into some agents and, and people in general that just go, I just don't like the appraisers. Well, we're all in this together. <laughs> don't like the market if we're, if, if we're writing an overpriced um, offer. And I, and I think that's, you know, not to really talk a lot about the VA appraisal process, but I, I think that is where realtors get the sideways moving forward after that one bad transaction. It happened to be a VA loan, right? And the house appraised for less. They thought it was worth more. And, you know, they, the deal closes and then they have that bad taste in their mouth at the VA home loan because of the appraisal. I'm not going to take another offer that way. So that, I mean, that too, it does a disservice to the veteran, right? I mean, it just, yeah. that loan is specific for the veteran. They earn the right to use that benefit and to not, in my mind, at least consider the offer. I think that's a disservice. 
That's just I agree, one hundred and ten percent. And and added to that, it's for that agent to have that attitude. It's a disservice to the seller as well. Yeah. So hierarchy on that is disservice to our veterans and our active military. I mean, they get this benefit because of their sacrifice for us. So let's yeah. honor that and at least explain that to the seller. And I, I don't know about you, but if I'm selling a home and a VA offer comes in, I at least know that this person here has provided service for our country. And let's give this offer the same shot that this offer over here has. We're not going to discount Absolutely. this just because it's VA. Absolutely. So I know we, we talked about the misconceptions about the VA home loan. I asked you for three to five top misconceptions about the VA home loan. Uh, your top one was sellers have to pay all the buyer's costs, which we, we talked about that, right? Yeah. Um, even your, you know, even I still get the question about the termite inspection. I mean, the termite inspection is the, the buyer can pay that or the, the realtor can pay or the lender can pay that. Um, you know, we, we, we have inspectors that will do the termite inspection. If it's a VA home loan, they, they'll do it for free. They include it in the inspection. They do it if they can do both at the same time and it's no charge. So that is one of the things that I hear too a lot is the, is the termite inspection. Um, the other one is the non-allowables. Um, the way loans get structured now, um, at least how Alliance Mortgage does things when it comes to a VA home loan, if you're charging more than 1% origination, then those non-allowables come into play. So either the lender has to pay those on behalf of the veteran, or yes, the seller has to pay it, or we have to waive it. So when we structure those loans, we structure those loans with, with the fees are taken out of that 1% to where we don't have to worry about the non-allowables. So what we do is when we, when we have an offer going out to an agent, that we're doing the financing for with the buyer, I typically call the listing agent and say, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is a VA qualified buyer approved buyer and talk a little bit about the misconceptions about what the seller may have to pay to kind of just nip that in the bud because some agents aren't experienced as you about the VA home loan. And they really don't know either. They're just assuming yep. what they've heard from their broker or their mentor that the seller's going to have to pay these costs. If you take a VA, offer. So I take it upon myself to make that extra step and take that call and contact the agent on that. And that's, uh, that is one thing, my friend, that separates you from others in the business. You know, we've worked together and when you do stuff like that, um, it, it puts a sense of peace in the listing agent's uh, mind and it allows that agent to go and present to their seller with peace of mind that, hey, this isn't just, um, I, I used to make the joke all the time that, hey, if, if I get a pre-approval or a pre-qualification letter that's a Word document and it doesn't have letterhead, it could be, you know, Bob's plumbing and part-time mortgage on Thursday, <laughs> the third Thursday of every month, right? We don't know who yeah. it is if it comes in. And you take that extra step. And you make sure that you're representing your clients to the best of your ability. And in doing so, that extra step of reaching out to the agent is set you apart. And I, I do appreciate that. Now, not to say we only do that for VA home loans. We have to take that extra step for VA. But for any other type of financing, we're also, because it's such a competitive market. I mean, the realtor, most realtors are already reaching out to me, asking me, are they pre-qualified or are they pre-approved? Because there is a difference. Yeah. Um, the pre-qualification is, you know, we, they told us what 
they make and a little bit about their credit score and this and that what programs, but from a pre-approval standpoint, it's different. We've actually done it all um, to get them pre-qualified. Uh, your other answer was VA loans take longer to close in escrow. What's, what's the norm in, in most folks' minds why that's the case? A, a lot of people have the misconception it's going to be 60 days. Um, some have said, oh, it's going to take up to three months. Um, I, I'm seeing VA loans close in 30 days. Um, yeah. I'm seeing some of them take 45 because of uh, maybe they're, um, they've got a PCS and they're, they've got a little change and there's a little extra paperwork. But I, I haven't seen anything in the past couple of years that's not average 30 days, 45 at the most. So our quickest VA loan closing was 10 days. That's awesome. So not, not to <laughs> brag, but I am going to brag because you don't see that a lot on a VA home loan. What the longest part about a VA home loan that's different, I wouldn't even say the longest, but what's different from conventional or FHA is going to be the appraisal. Not to say the appraisal is going to delay, but the appraiser with VA has a timeline from the time they accept it through the VA portal to the time they have to deliver it to the portal. That is 10 days. So you have some appraisers that are quicker than others. You have some that will just, you know, they'll take it and they're going to wait on day 10 and they're going to deliver it. We don't have any control over that because it's not an appraisal management company that we're going through like you do with the FHA and conventional. It's going through the portal. It gets assigned. But what's neat about it is the process of underwriting is exactly the same. There's no extra steps outside of getting your certificate of eligibility, which we get during the pre-approval stage because you can't order the appraisal unless you have the COE. So there's really, there's really not a difference. If you can get it done quick, you're going to get it done quick. Now, if you've got an outlying area where the, that appraiser is going to take a little bit more time because they have to do a little more research on the property, whatever the case may be, that might get a bump to where you're closing 25, 30 days. But I'm telling you the, the typical time, if, if you're, who you're working with as an originator and your customers, Johnny on the spot on the documents that you need, you can get it done quick. And yeah, I'm, it's a, it's a symphony, right? If, if the, yeah. if, if the buyer has all their ducks in a row and giving you all the paperwork and you've got it all to underwriting and it's underwritten approved, then it's as simple as submitting uh, for the appraisal. And then we kind of hurry up and wait, we wait until the appraisal gets done. But, and I think that's important for, for buyers to know also is that it, it doesn't matter what kind of loan, but especially VA, because you need their certificate, is you've got to be Johnny on the spot and getting stuff into the lender so that we're not, uh, I, don't, I don't mean we like I'm doing it, but so that you're not reaching out going, hey, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And it's, it's got to be rapid fire to, to stay on top of everything. You know, what I've, what, what you notice with the, with the veteran or active duty member is they don't procrastinate. Yeah. I mean, they were soldiers. They are soldiers. Um, you need something, they're going to get it as quickly as they can, usually within 24 hours. So that customer is going to get you what you need right away. And they're going to get it and they're going to get it uploaded and you're just going to move on down the road. So that time frame is a longer than expected time frame is really case by case based on where the property is located. What about a hundred percent down? What do you hear when someone's coming to you with nothing down on a VA offer just, or in general, hundred percent financing for FHA or conventional because those products are out there. Is there any doubt on that? 
from a approval There's standpoint? not for me. I mean, and when I explain to my clients, um, it doesn't matter where the money's coming from. If it's a hundred percent, if it's 80% or 50% or whatever the percentage is, it's a, can the buyer get the money? Are they approved to get this money? Like you mentioned earlier, is it a pre a pre-approval letter or a pre-qualification letter? If it's a pre-qualification letter, like you said, it's, it's a phone call on the phone and you're taking the information that the buyer's giving you, but it hasn't been verified. But if it's a pre-approval, it's underwritten approved and you come in, a buyer comes in with hundred percent financing. Um, you know, I look at it and explain to my sellers, it's, it's no different than any other loan. They're already approved for this. What happens though, if the house comes in for less than appraisal value? Well, then we're, then we're back to negotiating, right? Right. But from a VA standpoint, I have the option of still putting money down. Right. Yeah. I just don't have to. So right. to have that impression that I have a weak buyer because he's putting nothing down, he might have 50 grand in the bank or 15 grand in the bank and he can pay that difference. Um, to presume he doesn't have that. Um, we see a lot of that still. Why is he not putting anything down? He doesn't have to. He earned the right not to. Yeah. And I, I think that's a conversation that the agent, the seller's agent has to have with the buyer's agent. Right. Right. I, I think that should be had up front when they present the offer, uh, especially if there's multiple offers, which we still see in the market today. Yeah. So if, if an agent comes to me on a listing of mine and says, Hey, we'd like to buy this property at X amount of dollars and they're going zero down hundred percent VA financing. My question is going to be is, are they underwritten approved? Yes, they probably are. And number two, if in the event this doesn't appraise, now I have to be sharp enough as a listing agent to know where I think that home's going to sell. We can't sure. just haphazardly put the price out there. Sure. But let's say that the average home is sold in that neighborhood. I'll just say $600,000 and they're writing a $600,000 offer. And the one down the street just closed two weeks ago at 605. I feel pretty confident we're going to get 600. I may not dig so deep to ask for, you know, hey, does the buyer have extra money if it doesn't appraise? But if they write an offer at 650,000 and I'm seeing that values are, you know, 600 to 610, I'm going to then ask, do they have the extra money? Because now we need to substantiate, hey, if there's a situation where it doesn't appraise, I've got to put my seller at ease that this buyer has the option to bring extra money to the table. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that would be silly not to do that and, and protect your, your seller in that situation. But yes, um, most definitely. And that is something that I would guess we would go back to the loan officer and make sure that he has those assets, right? Before you accept. Yeah. You would, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you have to, I mean, you make that and, phone call. Yeah. And same, same with the buyer. If I'm working with the buyer and they're going zero down and they say, we love this home at 600. We'd like to go 625. And I say, I've run numbers on this property and I'm showing that nothing has appraised at 625 in the past 90 days for this home in this particular area. I'm going to ask them, are you prepared to bring extra money to the table if it doesn't appraise? If they say no, then my suggestion is, is well, why don't we, why don't we come in somewhere that is going to be in line with what the market's yielding right now? And if you want to go above, make sure that you're comfortable with, you might have to bring some extra money to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And lastly, no, that was the last one that we talked about, um, was the hundred, hundred percent financing. So from a realtor perspective, 
if somebody's new in the marketplace, how would they stay up to speed with VA guidelines, conventional guidelines, FHA guidelines? Should they at least have a little bit of knowledge in that realm when it comes to financing for their clientele that they're talking to? Yeah, I think we have to. Um, you know, I stay in touch with you. I, I follow stuff on the internet. Um, I go out to the um, Fannie and Freddie websites on a biweekly basis to make sure that that they're fine. The Jenny website to make to see if anything's changed. I stay uh, focused on different groups of um, lending regulation, uh, you know, uh, professional groups, hypothetically, of different um, real estate agents and lenders. And we, you know, we, we follow these guidelines. If there's an agent that that's new, um, you need to find a, a, um, a lender, um, like you brother that knows what they're doing and stay informed. I don't, I don't know how else to put that. I'm trying to make it very PC and kind, right? <laughs> well, one, one thing that we, that I have done is I have a class just like the podcast, helping heroes become homeowners is a continuing education class. You get two two extra hours of CE credit. So if realtors need that, those hours, we have a class that we will do and we talk about the VA home loan. It's not the basics. We really take a deep dive into what we're talking about even further on how they can better um, be a better provider for that community. Because the, when we talk about this class, when realtors come out of that, they come out, I, I didn't know anything about that. They learn so much about that and they want to put something something they want to put something in place to go after that particular customer they want to help that community i think we need more realtors out there wanting to do that um so i took it upon myself to be more of an educator when it comes to that loan product with the ce class that's one of the ways that we do that um, i think that's awesome yeah we just need to get more people coming to the class the class is well, there it's, it's great information I'm there. Let me know when you're having your next one, man. I am there. <laughs> it's stuff like that. You know, it's, it's being engrossed in your business. Um, I don't like want to get folks that want to do good service. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't want to get on a whole shtick about what's going on with real estate and realtor past 10 years, but the reality is this is a business. And when you're around, uh, like you said, like-minded people, that this is what we do. We eat, sleep, and we breathe real estate and mortgage. And we, we live and play in this area and we raise our families in this area. So we know the area, we know the products. We, we're a professional. I don't know how else to say yeah. it. <laughs> I'm trying to be really PC here at the end uh, of our Yeah, <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, we, we, we do this for a living, but we also love what we do and we provide a service and that service creates wealth through home ownership yep. at the end of the day. Cause somebody who buys a house today, they're going to look up two years ago, man, I can't believe I bought that house when he told me to buy that house. Yeah. Cause now I got 50, 60 grand in equity. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the feeling I get when we get that loan closed and funded is they're now going to see the benefit of being a homeowner after yeah. renting for five or six years. And I love working with active, uh, military and, um, uh, discharged military, retired military. Um, I've helped a lot of personnel purchase properties. Um, I, I'm going to give you a, a couple of quick stories. Uh, in California, where, where I have a brokerage also, and I was there for a long time, I helped a man buy a home in Southern California. And three and a half years later, he got PCS to Virginia. 
he went to Virginia. We rented his property in, in um, Southern California. He bought another house in Virginia. I handled the rental for him in Southern California. He came back seven or eight years later. I think I can't remember the exact time because he kind of came back and forth a few times, but we rented that place yeah. for eight years. When he sold that property, he wound up buying three properties all paid for by his base housing allowance, basically, and, and yeah. tenants. He bought three properties. When he retired, he had over $1.2 million in assets from just his three houses. And he cashed it all in and he moved to Idaho and bought like 40 acres and built a 5,000 square foot home and still has money in the bank. And he used the VA home loan benefit on all those, didn't he? On all of them. And when yeah. he was still active, he was using his housing allowance to, to cover the house he was living in. The tenants were covering the other ones. Yeah, that is that is one thing. I wouldn't say one thing. I think more active military need to have a better understanding of how to use that housing allowance instead of just living on base. Because yeah. um, that example right there times that by a million. I mean, the process, that process works. It works awesome. And I, I could give you at least a dozen clients I've worked with like that, that have done that. And most of them are either uh, retired now or retiring soon. And each, each time they got moved to another base or each time that they got, uh, uh, they moved up in rank, uh, the yeah. housing allowance changed, man, they, they pulled their eligibility and they went and bought another house. So it's an yeah, that's another, and we talked about misconceptions. Another misconception is some folks don't know they can use it more than once. Yeah, they don't, they don't. They don't know that. I mean, yep. when I first started in the business X years ago and did my first VA loan, my mentor said, "Well, you can't go that route. They've already used it." I'm like, "Okay." So we went a different route. You know, that was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. but really knowing what the VA loan can do inside and out, guideline wise, just in closing loans, because you're going to have some loan officers out there that close maybe two, five VA loans a year. And all those just had to be cookie cutter VA loans. But when you really do a deep dive in the ones that are challenging, you learn a lot and the VA loan allows you to do a lot of things. So it's, it's a special, it's a special process. It's a special loan for sure to help you build wealth. just like that guy did. It's, yep. it's incredible. So Troy, how do we, how do we get in contact with you? Is, is there anything that you uh, want to promote or is there anything um, that you guys are doing in the next quarter at all? We're just grinding. Uh, you can visit my website, dallashomesandliving.com. Um, if you want to uh, check out any of our videos, I do a lot of YouTube videos. Um, go to YouTube and type in Troy Sage, um, or you can give me a call, 469-829-7713. That's awesome. Um, well, I definitely appreciate you being on with us today. Um, again, my name is Richard Sari. I'm the host of Helping Heroes Become Homeowners. If you're looking to purchase or refinance, give us a call at 214-872-2188, or you can drop us a text at 972-948-7473. And if you want to join the episodes or become a listener, go to helpingheroesbecomehomeownerspodcast.com and just subscribe. Troy, again, we thank you, buddy. We'll talk thank to you, you soon. I appreciate you, All man. Right. Thanks. Well, If this episode has been beneficial, we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. 
Also, for regular updates and tips, make sure to follow our social media channels, which you can find in the show notes. Until our next episode, keep making homeownership dreams come true.